We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 376. Today's show is brought to you by Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. That's right, you heard me in all of the land. And today we are previewing the ALCS, the matchup everyone knew was going to happen. The Astros just decided to make it interesting and make everyone wait for it for a few days while the, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays took them to the brink. You know, they really did. We all we all expected this to happen, obviously, because this was the heavyweight matchup that I think a lot of people wanted um, and, and didn't expect anybody to really flirt with beating the uh, the Houston Astros. And then the Tampa Bay Rays, the, the little old devil Rays down in, down in Tampa, Florida, decided to say, you know what? We're going to put up a fight. Feisty We're going to put up a fight. Feisty and you little know bastards. They, they actually were set up for game five <laughs> as pretty well as you could possibly be with pitching and the way that things were working out. And uh, unfortunately, they ran into a guy named Garrett Cole and yeah, yeah. decided to tip their pitches. Who knows what happens if Glassnow doesn't tip his pitches? And it yeah. was obvious. There was a breakdown I saw that um, actually... It doesn't even have to be that, it doesn't even have to be that detailed of, of someone like telling you what it is. It's so clear. Tyler, uh, our, our old intern, Tyler, I think, put together this segment on uh, his sports center today, on the sports center he was working on today. I think it was one of his buddies, but he... Oh, okay. It. I saw that, yeah, I saw his tweet. 
So his hands were high. It was uh, breaking ball. His hands were low. It was a. It was a. It was vice versa. It was a, okay. So hands were high, fastball. Hands low, yeah. curveball. That I mean, that's so. That's the, maybe the easiest tell in the history of tells. Where you think about the Severino one, and it was like only in certain situations. If he does something, then he's going to throw a certain pitch. And even yeah. that, I mean, look how it turned out for the Red Sox. But the last two postseasons series could have been decided because a starting pitcher was tipping pitches. I mean, that's yeah, that, that's pretty crazy that you get stuff. that far. Yeah, I saw some guys tweeting about it, like Trevor Plouffe, who uh, didn't couldn't stick to a roster, was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I saw that in spring training. I had him. Uh, it didn't take much longer than an inning." All right. Well, he also started out six and zero on the on the season, and yeah. and uh, you know was pitching very well, like probably one of the best in baseball early on. And then uh, Ploof, however the hell he's, I'm saying his name is Ploof, uh, <laughs> couldn't stick to a roster. So shut shut up, just shut up. You're on your couch, and he's pitching in the uh, you know game five of the ALDS. But he wasn't wrong. <laughs> well, it goes to show you what if major league hitters know the pitch is coming they can hit it because he was still throwing well, yeah. 99 100 miles an hour and he's still throwing so does, nasty breaking balls yeah. they were still hitting it so so does a batting machine the batting machines now can throw those same pitches and uh you just know it's coming so the yankees were so close to just an absolute cakewalk to a to a championship had oh. had it been minnesota who they steamrolled and always steamroll and then had they gotten the rays who i think probably would have been a tough series just because it seems like the Rays are kind of built for these short October series where they throw a different guy at you every inning and their offense, at least in Tampa, hit well. Uh, not so much in Houston, but they also had Cole on full rest twice and Verlander on full rest. No one hits those guys when they're on full rest. Then the, the Dodgers get bounced and it's going to be Nationals or Cardinals. The Nationals, I think, were ranked like bottom five in bullpen in all of baseball. <clears throat> Well, right, but they didn't use that. That's that was one of these. That's one of those things that's so deceiving. When you get to the postseason, that stat of your bullpen usage can be very deceiving and and can mean absolutely nothing. Because Patrick Corbin, I mean, he blew, he got blown up um, in game four, game three. I think it was game three, but he came back out, pitched well. You're, you're throwing some of your starting pitchers in the bullpen at that point, similar to what the Red Sox did. Uh, you know, similar to what the, the Astros did a couple years ago. It's all about what you have to do. You're going to throw your best pitchers out there, right, exactly. whether they're starters or bullpen arms. The Yankees will not be throwing out their starters in no. relief because their best arms are their one-inning relievers. They're not their multi-inning starters, whereas the Nationals, Corbin Strasburg, Scherzer, are their best arms they have. They're right. going to throw them as much as they possibly can. That's why when you're looking at bullpen statistics from the regular season and you're trying to translate that into what they'll look like in the postseason, it's, it's just not as – you can't get a good read on what they're going to do because they're not going to throw those same guys. Uh, right. But I look at that Cardinals-Braves series where it's like the game would get to the eighth inning and then however the score was, it would flip because those closers had meltdowns every single day. And there was just a matter of like, okay, whose closer is going to melt down more and that team is going to lose? Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy when you see uh, the way that it went down. And the Nationals, the Nationals beating the Dodgers. One, I'm very happy that happened because Dodgers had it coming. Uh, the Nationals, I thought, matched up really well with them just because of their starting pitching. And the Nationals are going to be a tough out because of that. If those guys can't, if they get those guys going with with uh, with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, if Corbin um, slots back in there, like that's that's a tough three right there. Um, their bullpen is trash. There's no doubt about it. My mother-in-law is a Nationals fan, so I talk with her 
you know, in the mornings often about baseball and she's talking to me about the Nationals. So I know, you know, more, I, I hear her complaining about their bullpen on a daily basis. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that they have to overcome. And, you know, they try to do that with, with Corbin as being that, that, that leverage guy. So here's my question to you. Would you l- rather, as a fan of the team, lose the way the Braves lost <laughs> in an elimination game at home before you can even get a beer? It's 10 yeah. to nothing. Or how the Dodgers lost in an elimination game when you're just desperately trying to win a World Series. You've been the, been the best team in the National League for five straight years, and you've had you've gotten there, and then you just haven't gotten it done. To have your your ace, quote unquote, I don't know, maybe Walker Buehler's your ace, but having Kershaw on the mound, classic postseason choker, where it's just one choke after another in the postseason, and that's how you lose in heartbreaking fashion. What would you rather lose? How would you rather lose? I'd rather be competitive and be in a game. I certainly wouldn't want to wouldn't want to lose on a on a eleven run was it eleven runs first inning with with <laughs> no home runs 10. by the way I think it was ten runs it yeah. was ten or eleven but no home runs either like these guys are just hitting lines and gaps and I've never just, seen anything like it they're, they're, it's just like a carousel I, and I'm watching it not live television I'm watching it like I was looking at the phone updates because I wasn't you know in front of a, a TV at that time because it was what four o'clock it was a, it was a five early? o'clock start five o'clock I yeah. I was on the subway home. I didn't look at my phone until I got home or I didn't look at my phone at all. I just put the game on and I didn't like, I just put it on and flipped to the channel that it was on. I didn't like look at it really. Right. So I was just like walking around my apartment and then I looked at the script. 11, nothing. What? What happened? Then I went to my phone and it was like trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Yeah. Crazy. It's, you you certainly don't expect that. Um, But uh, yeah, I'd rather be in a game for sure. Anytime I'd rather be in the game. You know who I f- felt most bad for in that Braves? And I promise we're going to talk about the Yankees and the Astros. I felt most most bad for the people who paid like $150, $200 to their ticket. But because it was a 5 o'clock game and left work slightly late. Got, got there a little late. Got there. Like they were parking in the in the top of the first inning. And like before they even get in the stadium, they see it's 11 nothing. <laughs> That's brutal. Do you go in? I don't go in, I don't think. At 11 nothing, I, I might get really mad at that point and uh, and – and go start drinking heavily. The, I, but I'm not going to drink heavily at the game where it costs $10 a beer. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough That's a tough one right there, man. Uh, that's a, a game decider and then 11 runs. Yeah, that's if I were to walk into that late, um, that would be a, a, a tough pill to swallow to walk through that turnstile. It would be. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. The mood yeah. in there, just, just no thanks. I do not want to be in that, that morgue of a stadium at that point. But like we said, we got the we got the matchup we all thought we were gonna get. If you guys the one we wanted, we got the one we wanted. This is the team that we want to go through. This is I want to go through this team. I mean, these teams are very evenly matched. They're the, by far the two best teams in baseball by every statistical measure that you look at. Yeah, and we talked to I talked to Robert Flores Roflo a few weeks ago. We previewed this series because we thought it was just like an automatic. Like it got a little scary at first, but here we are: Yankees versus Astros. If you didn't listen to that segment. It was episode number 370. Go back and listen to that segment. He's a diehard Astros fan. And we talked a ton about about this upcoming series. But these two teams are... are it, it's, it's the Spider-Man meme looking at each other. Because their offenses are both juggernauts. In different ways, they, they pitch well. Like the Yankees pitch well out of the bullpen. The Astros pitch well out of the rotation. Their winning percentages are are both fantastic, which is really just the bottom line of it. 
Their stadiums are similar. Minute Maid and Yankee Stadium allowed the highest rate of unlikely home runs in Major League Baseball this year, which unlikely home runs are categorized as a fly ball that has less than 10% of a chance of going out of the stadium in all of Major League Baseball stadiums, but it goes out in those stadiums. And it makes sense. Minute Maid, you get the Crawford boxes down the left field line. Yankee Stadium, you get the right field short porch. So there's going to be some cheap fly ball home runs in, in, in these games. And both, and both teams know how to play to those strengths for their, uh, for their own ball. The Astros are well. mental at home. They're yes. a 741 winning percentage. Altuve becomes Babe Ruth. 741 winning percentage at home. Six runs scored per game. Four runs allowed per game. They have a 136 WRC plus at home. As a team. It, like, I don't think people understand. They say, like, oh, 136. Even if you understand, like, 136 is 36%. Why don't you explain exactly what that 36% is? 36% abo- above league average, which is 100. But that doesn't even – that's not a player being 30. That's the whole team. So you get your shitty bottom-of-the-roster players that are going to weigh you down, but it doesn't matter. They're still 36% better <laughs> – in, at home at the stadium over the well, course of well that's because they don't really have those games. shitty they don't really have those shitty of the bottom of the roster 81 players games. that weigh them down i mean they're they're solid top to bottom right but they're 114 wrc plus on the road which is still fantastic the yankees are very similar home and road they're actually better on the road they were like a 120 on the road and a 114 or 115 i'm forgetting the numbers i think i might have written it on here there's a lot of numbers in in this uh <laughs> in this uh, notes that we got here but i excluded baltimore games for the yankees and they're pretty much neck and neck home and road it was like 114 112 because in baltimore this year the yankees as a team had a 187 wrc plus why can't we include that? That's like saying we don't include the Tanaka starts in Boston and in London. No, I, I, I frankly just wanted to see what it was because I was surprised Without that it, it was. Yeah. I was surprised that it was higher on the road. You'd think it would be better at home. Um, and then I was like, oh, I forgot they hit a thousand home runs in in those Baltimore games. Because Camden Yards is also a band box that, that and gives up. They have everything. high schoolers pitching for them. Right. Yeah, they do. They've had high schoolers pitching for like five years. The team has been uh, abysmal at the, uh, on, the, on the mound. But do you for expect it to be back like in 2017 where this is a home series? The home team is going to dominate. The Astros didn't look very good in Tampa. They were outscored 14 to 4 in the two games in Tampa. I mean, when you're looking at home field advantage and how, important, how much importance we put on this because uh, the, the Astros are so good at home and because the Yankees are so good at home, you would think that that would be a big swing. By looking at what's happened in baseball this year, uh, or this, you know, in the playoffs, Houston's the only team, right, that won a deciding game at home. The other two teams in the National League both won on the road. And you're looking at this, and, you know, people are looking at it saying home field advantage, not as much of a, a factor. But uh, it's so hard to, for me to look at the broad numbers for that and to take any anything away from that because specifically the Astros, specifically the um, the Yankees are so good um, in, their, in their perspective ballparks that, I think a lot of those numbers get thrown off because I think it's that much of a difference uh, between these two teams. Something's up with the Astros at home. Yeah, I, I'm not saying they're cheating, but I'm they, not. No, that's exactly what I'm you're not. Saying. Not saying they're cheating. Yeah, they got. There's we got. We need to look for like little little tiny holes. Their offense in is the outfield. Their offense is significantly better at home. Like it's not even close. At least the Yankees is close. Like you said. Like I said, it's almost identical when you remove the Baltimore games. 
Let me ask you a question. If you th- if the Yankees were as left-handed heavy as they are right-handed heavy, do you think that those numbers would be a lot a lot better because it now plays no, more to the I, right I, side? I think the baseball this year negated any right-handed left-handed. Well, I mean, it, it certainly helped both, but it would be even more of a, a dramatic tick up if there were if they were dramatically uh left-handed heavy than right-handed i mean i think it would absolutely increase these numbers are you saying it's hard to argue against the the fact that it would increase these numbers are you saying like if you just take the exact same player and instead of a right-handed hitter Gio urshela is a left-handed hitter but he's the exact same yeah yeah, okay maybe but replace Gio urshela with a different left-handed hitter he might not be that left-handed hitter might not be as good as Gio Rochella was this year for the Yankees batting right-handed. The thing is with the Yankees that when you look at prototypical prototypical uh, lefty right lefty righty splits and, and where the the ballpark gives you the strengths, you look at this and you're like, okay, well this doesn't make sense. Why would the Yankees build their lineup like that? Well, it, it they have a certain way of hitting. A lot of them go opposite field. Um, they could do that, but if the uh, the Houston Astros also have some very good right-handed hitters and left field is the short porch. You know, it could very well increase those numbers. Whereas if it were lefties in Yankee stadium, it would increase those numbers. Yeah. Like you I said, this year, this year, no, I, I get it. I get it in concept. It's yeah. not a difficult do you, do you concept. you see what I'm saying here? But I, like I said this year, I don't think, I think the baseball just washed all that away. Well, it certainly did. I mean, I think it, it, it and, and the approach with the Although, Yankees going opposite. There's a report helped. that there's a report that was put out by a few different outlets. Fangraphs wrote about it. Baseball Prospectus wrote about it. Um, I'm going to, I'm scrolling down to look at the numbers that baseball might no longer be using the juice baseball in the playoffs because there have been about 50% fewer home runs than expected. When you calculate it based on exit velocity, launch angle and park effects, these nerds adjusted for weather <laughs> and temperature. And how do we know these nerds know what the weather's like? How do we know what the the, the nerds look? Listen, the nerds, the nerds can tell you what the spin rate is of a baseball. How do I know that that nerd can tell me how that ball reacts in certain humidity and uh, and and cold and 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 hot weather? How do you how know? Do, how do you know they can't? Are they a meteorologist too? It no, that's not that's the meteorologist. Is that, is that next? Maybe I bet you. The Do Yankees we have, have a meteorologist on staff? on staff. Yes, I bet you they have a weather nerd on staff. They have a weather nerd on staff. It's wow. like Bill Paxton in Twister. They have his equivalent in <laughs> the in guy the... who chases the uh, the tornadoes. Yep. There we have storm chasers on the on the books. Yes. Okay. I mean, no stone unturned. Do you think though that, that baseball, Major League Baseball, had the balls? A lot of balls in here. Did baseball have the balls to replace the juiced baseballs? The chutzpah? The chutzpah. chutzpah. Did they have the chutzpah? That's a no. good Yiddish word, Scott. No, because the reason they, they wouldn't is because there's always a leak. That could never go on uh that could never go unnoticed as far as like the actual It's not going unnoticed. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not noticing about, it. I'm not talking about the result. I'm talking about the act of taking a different ball from one place to another and putting them out there. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the act of actually doing that. You're imagining like the, the Icarus documentary where someone is like, is like getting like these special caps for the fake steroid piss. No, that's not what this is. Oh yeah. yeah, They're in special, special areas. Major league baseball owns Rawlings. Rawlings makes the baseballs. All they have to do is make them different. Who's the making them different? People? People that chirp? People that will leak this type of information? That's my point. 
I feel like they wouldn't risk that. Why? Because I mean, someone always not, talks. Okay, the baseballs that are used, the baseballs that are going to be used for Saturday night in Houston are not being made this week. They were probably made months ago. Yeah. So I'm sure that baseball has a stock of of baseballs that are not juiced. That right, are maybe more like area, the 2016 a, or 15 from a, baseballs. From a different aisle in the warehouse. Locked in the back of yeah. God knows what and someone's pull And someone is pulling those baseballs out of that aisle. And from that, from G12. Get the balls from G12. And that guy, that guy's going to talk. Well, it would be... I think it's so baseball. It's so Major League Baseball to do this. To I have mean, it, it one way all year... Home yeah. runs be records across the board. Pop flies going 10 rows deep and everyone saying it's a joke. And then, oh, let's flip the switch in October because we don't want the negative publicity of a potential cheap home run deciding uh, ALCS or a World Series game. Here's the, here's the problem I have with this. When, when the baseball playoffs are on, that's when the, the highest you know, ratings for television, that's when you're seeing the most people, the most eyeballs on your sport. And usually the, the, the eyeballs that are coming now are very casual fans or maybe not even really fans, just kind of watching it because it's the playoffs. Do you not think that that person, that, that fan, wants to see the ball go out of the ballpark? Because I do. I think that guy or girl wants to see the ball hit hard and, and wants to see some action. Does not want to see a ball that would have gone out to center field caught at the warning track. There's no interest in that for a casual fan. I mean, so I don't really understand why baseball would would um, deaden the balls for the time when there are more eyeballs on their sport. You could just dejuice them by twenty percent or something. I think on the face of it, I get what you're saying. That yeah, when you have max visibility, you want the craziest shit going down. So you want sexiness. So you you want fly about, balls. But you're going to yeah. get eyeballs regardless in the in the playoffs. Like right. baseball is not trying to get eyeballs for the playoffs they have eyeballs for the playoffs they're trying no, no, to get no, that's not what i'm saying they're trying to get eyeballs to, in may no but they have to take exactly so they have to take advantage of the eyeballs that are watching them now and what that means is more fly balls that go out of the park i are think are going to be oh i'll watch next year i've seen these home runs that's fun yeah but i i just think that if they really did something with these postseason baseballs their thinking is whatever positive gains we would get from the extra fans because they they liked the action of the juice baseball we don't want the negative publicity of maybe Justin Verlander out there talking in a post game press conference saying i gave up a home run and i lost the game because these baseballs are crap i don't think they're worried about that right now nor do i think that they would risk actually doing what you're saying at this point in the season i they've dealt with this type of publicity he's already said that they, well, they have he that gave sound. up 36 home runs this year. That soundbite, that potentially sound bite, the best pitcher in baseball, and he gave up 36. But that soundbite's there. It's out there. It's out there for anybody who he wants to listen to it to hear. Game, yep. So um, at, at another point, when uh, a lot of eyeballs are on there, so it's not like it's not going, it's not going uh, unsaid because it's been said. So I don't think so. I I know there's a lot of people talking about this, and the and the and I know all the nerds are putting these uh, these numbers and saying, well, the 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 uh, the expectations are not where where they where they. Th- where they thought they were. And one, there's just not enough data for me to believe any of these numbers because you need a, a lot more data. We've talked about that all year long. And two, I just don't think, I don't think baseball would risk it at this point because I do think someone would talk because someone always talks. Yeah. We're going to give a, a update on our playoff tickets and all that kind of stuff. But Scott, first I have a question for you. 
Yes. I know you're a diehard baseball fan. You watch every day. You're you're a Jets fan. You pretty much watch all the Jets games. You follow the news. Yeah, um, you know, I don't really, I'm not I don't know anymore, man. Are you like NBA NBA or hockey or, or golf or something? Like is there a fringe sport that like you kinda wanna know more about, but you just like don't have the time to put in hours every week? Absolutely. I grew up probably uh actually for a while I was a bigger Devils fan than a Yankees fan for a little bit. I was a huge hockey guy. Huge so you want to maybe know like what's going on with the Devils this year. Devils in the next. You're not yeah, going to watch 80 games a year. Definitely not. Yeah. Following your team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe and Scott subscribes now to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. I might subscribe to the ping pong. Dude, I will, I will whoop your ass in ping pong. Uh, we got, do you have a ping pong table? I mean, no, but I... We got to set this well, up. Well, we could find one. I need to practice a little bit. I haven't played ping pong in like five I mean, neither years. Neither have I. Neither have I. So you don't get to All practice right. either. Podcast, podcast host versus podcast host. See, I took... This is... So here you go. You, t- you said you're going to whoop my ass in ping pong. We're on a tangent. I took a ping pong class. I took a ping pong gym class in high school because that was yeah. offered. And the jackass that was the instructor refused to call it ping pong, made everyone call it table tennis. It's politically correct. You know, you grew up in that, in that era. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple. And to sign up, it is free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at at sports.axios.com. Again, try today for free, free 99 at sports.axios.com. So something that's not free 99, but it's still a damn good deal is the ALCS tickets that we have on sale for games. Now it's games three and games four. That's home game one, home game two against the Astros Tuesday night, Wednesday night, section 205. Um, we have a ton of people already coming. There are some tickets left, though. So if you guys are interested in coming to those games, I don't know why you wouldn't be interested in coming to those games. It's the friggin ALCS. So. Maybe you're on the newsletter. Maybe you've seen the tweets and everything like that. Do not wait to buy. They're they're gonna tickets are gonna start flying. Like you may be looking at different sites and seeing like, oh, there's a bunch of tickets here, a bunch of tickets there. I'm gonna price compare. There will be a point. I've gotten burned by this before, where I'm yeah, like, you, I remember, I remember when you got burned by this. Frank and I got burned by this for the wild card game last year. We were price comparing, and I was like, this one is a certain price. I might save ten dollars here, but I'm banking on this one coming down. And then I looked 20 minutes later and everything was 50% higher. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> that is going to happen to the ALCS tickets on the secondary market. Don't be an asshole who that happens to. And if you don't want to be an asshole, you can get them for $229 from BronxPinstripes.com. Those prices are not changing. So go there now as you're listening to this. Grab your tickets. Those prices are locked in. And it's a damn good deal for the friggin' ALCS.
Yeah, we've. We, I mean, the beautiful thing is, is that we've uh, we've we've cost controlled the playoffs essentially for you guys. So uh, take advantage of it. You know, there there may be a straggler here and there that goes under it, but I, I've been looking and did my research and, and keep an eye on these things and uh, and definitely priced it well under. Uh, I, I wrote a, a quick little piece on in our in our BP crew Facebook group, and uh, I did a little experiment on one of the sites, on one of the ticket broker sites, and basically. In order to, to, to get the 229, you know, the the what we're charging for these tickets, you would have to purchase them for three 340, almost 340 on uh, on a ticket site. Like it, it's that much in fees. It's it's lunacy. So go to uh, shop.bronxpinstripes.com and grab your tickets. We do have some left. We sold over 250, uh, maybe even higher than that right now. But a lot of tickets have been have been gone. Games um, uh, three and four, and then also look this weekend. Because the World Series tickets are going on sale, that's happening. You cannot and get these tickets. There's an even more limited number that we're going. There's have a lot. Yeah, we're doing Series, one so. game at the World Series, and and uh, we'll explain more about that later. We had originally doing two games, but we're doing one game. There's going to be one game. 225 tickets in section 205 for Game One of the World Series. Keep an eye out for that. If you have not signed up for the mailing list and you want to know more information about that, go to slash tickets uh, and that will get you to the mailing list that you can sign up for and you'll get all the information. But that will go on sale this weekend and uh, you cannot individual sales, all the pre sales for people who are season ticket holders and all that, they don't even start until Tuesday. So you're getting it before they could get it and they will be they will be gone fast by them. Fly. And they will get because very we expensive. know the dates. That's the thing. Because the Dodgers yes. lost, we know that the Yankees will be the home team. So the twenty second of October is Game One of the World Series. It's it's locked in for the Yankees. If you look at the ALCS, it's, it was weird this year because the ALDS took so long to figure out, yeah. and the dates were different. And because it was uh, it was either us having a home field advantage or not Saturday or Tuesday. That's a big deal for people to plan. So when you're seeing Game that times are also factored yeah. in here, it's like I'm baseball is not helping. Baseball is not annoying. helping. It's like they don't understand that people plan their Have day around and these try games. To do things. Like people plan their days around these games. I understand. Like maybe you're not planning your day around a July game. Scott and I do because we're psychopaths. But around an October baseball game, you're going to plan your whole day. What time am I going to watch it? What time do I have to leave work? Am I going to the game? What time do I have to leave work? You can't just the day before be like, by the way, it's at 4 p.m. Like that's yeah. not fair, baseball. Friggin' set a schedule. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's messing with people's schedules uh, and, and planning. But at the same time, the World Series. Now that the Dodgers have lost, if the Yankees get to that point, we got home field advantage. We know that, so we know when the games will be. Uh, anyway, keep an eye out for that. Uh, BronxPressRips.com/slash/tickets if you're not on the mailing list. So a little trip down memory lane. The Yankees uh, against the Astros this year. The Yankees went three and four. They got swept in Houston April eighth to the tenth. I mean, it's a different. It's different lives at that point. April 8th and 10th, different team, different everything. But the one thing that concerns me, concerned me from that series is they blew two leads in games in the sixth inning or later. Britton and Ottavino both melted down in the first game. They lost. And then Holder, who's not on the roster, but then Green also took the loss in game two. Green I know. Was a different dude. Different dude, different everything. But this goes back to the Astros are a different team at home. And... The fact is, you don't expect the Yankees to lose games when they have a lead after the seventh inning. Right. No, that's true. And those were heartbreaking games. When you're looking at the way that those went down, they were tough games to lose. And we, at that point, were like, you know, this is our, our team is built around the bullpen. You're expecting the bullpen to lock these things down. Uh, they were not performing. Chad Green was a, was, a, was a lost soul at that point. Yep. He um, hadn't even been sent down yet. He then got sent down and was a different pitcher after that. 
Holder, like I said, injured, not on the roster. Britton and Adovino. Adovino was their best relief pitcher in the first half of the season. Yeah. No, I mean, so you, you look at those numbers and you say that I, I definitely think it gives the, the Astros confidence. I mean, I don't know how much more confidence you could possibly have at home with the way that they play there, but but they know that they can get to some of those guys. I hope they think they can get to Chad Green in, in the same way because they'll have, they will have a very uh, – uh, a very different Chad Green coming out there throwing lasers at them, but um, and, and I think I think the rest of the guys too have have learned a ton. It's just a very different team. It's hard to look back and see those numbers from that long ago and take much stock in it. And then the Yankees, for me, for me. the Yankees at home had a four game series. They took three out of four. The one game they lost was Jay Happ's start on yeah. Old Timers Day, and he got his teeth kicked in. Right. But you just mentioned something, and we just got these numbers. Uh, thank you, Rohan, for sending us these numbers about how the Astros do versus fastballs and how they do versus off-speed pitches. Chad Green could be a weapon in this series because he's got one of the best fastballs in baseball. And on fastballs, 95 miles an hour or plus, the Astros are not a great offensive team. They have a 326 weighted on base average, which is basically MLB average. The Yankees have a 359 weighted on base average in those situations. So the Astros on high-powered fastballs do not hit as well. They murder off-speed pitches. Absolutely murk them. Adovino's best pitch is his slider. So maybe Adovino is a guy you're going to put in less key spots and have Chad Green be a guy you're going to use in the most key spots because of his fastball. Yeah, and his fastball is on point right now. I mean, he's, he's really thrown the ball extremely well. And I, I, we've talked about him before the playoffs started as one of those guys that could be, you know, that extended weapon. And we, we, we started to kind of see it. I think in the um, in the ALDS against Minnesota when he came in in that fifth inning and then got got the Yankees into the seventh inning, um, that was one of those times where I wanted to see him finish the seventh inning. But Boone had a quick trigger that that day. Uh, it worked out, but I think he's going to be relied on as that as that type of guy, especially when they know that these um, these Astro hitters can hit the, uh, the the breaking stuff and they do struggle more about these ninety five plus. And Chad Green's the action on that fastball. Like you said, it's one of the best fastballs in baseball. When he's on, when he's right, it's one of the best fastballs in baseball. And he is, at the current time, very right. He looks good. 13th best spin rate on his fastball in Major League Baseball. Frank yeah. wrote an article about that as well. So check that out. But, And I think Rohan's got a more in-depth uh, article coming out about this stuff uh, tomorrow on Saturday. Saturday, the game. as yeah. Yeah, you guys might be listening to this as, as the pregame. So the um, – Jack Curry tweeted out before the, the rotation was announced that he thinks it's going to go Tanaka, Paxton, Severino, and then Chad Green is the opener. He nailed Tanaka, Paxton, Severino because he had inf insider information. Like, let's be honest. He, he had information. So I think he has information about Chad Green potentially being an opener. Obviously, that could change depending on the situation. What's the series score? When's the last time Chad Green pitched? A lot of different factors. But yeah. you could use Chad Green in games one and two in Houston as a regular bullpen arm. And still give them enough rest to open game four if you need to. But the way the rotations are setting up now is we got a game one matchup of Greinke versus Tanaka. Game two, Verlander versus Paxton. Game three, Cole versus Severino. And, I mean, if the Yankees beat the Astros, we got you got to send some sort of gift basket. Thank you to the Tampa Rays for screwing up the Astros rotation. But didn't you see? Why would we send them anything when they're when they're going on social media saying and asking? To, well, uh, that's please, why it's please please beat the please beat the Yankees. It's still a thank you. It's like you know you know we know you want us to lose, but you still did us a solid. Thanks, guys. 
that's they have such a weird i, I swear like trolly very trolly not media. even so trolly it's just like very immature it's a very i think they have a 13 year old kid running their social media you know nothing none against 13 year old their, kids their average, but it's very strange their av- the average race fan is an 87 year old who forgot to turn his tv off okay yeah. he's not on twitter so it doesn't matter <laughs> exactly but they're playing to that guy which is just very out of touch you know, whatever. I, I really don't care about the Here's another raise. stat I think could be important. Thank you, Rays. In the ALDS, the Astros had to throw as a staff 731 pitches, whereas the Yankees threw 438 pitches. That's huge. That's that's one of those big numbers when you're looking at that. And we're, you know, we're all hoping that that series to go as long as humanly possible. And when we see that it's, you know, the Rays actually pushing back and you're seeing that um, Verlander gets, you know, gets knocked around a little bit on short rest. That's great. Then we're like, yeah, let's get to Garrett Cole. Let him throw as many pitches as possible, um, so that we can uh, so that we could kind of mess up their rotation and not get Cole uh, on game one. That's great because it, what it does is it sets them, uh, you know, not to their optimal pitching lineup. And that's where we're at right now. We're at that point where Granky's starting one. That's not how they would line it up. Nope. Granky's is pitching number one, but um, and I and I think that's a good thing for the Yankees. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and and then just the so, sheer I mean, number of pitches. Uh, is a good on thing. the surface of it, Greinke's their third best pitcher, and you're right. facing him in a, in, a, in a game one where if you steal game one in Houston, boom, you have home field advantage in the series. So yes, that's a big huge. time because it's two three two. The two three that's been a discussion on our forums. We have a mailbag question about. It. Another thing is you're going to get Garrett Cole in Yankee Stadium, where yeah. Garrett Cole. You saw what he just did at uh, Minute yeah. Maid Park. Uh, I want him at Yankee Stadium. He's unhittable. He was right. unhittable in those two games. It doesn't matter. You could throw, have thrown an all-star lineup in those games that he pitched in Houston. No one was hitting him. Here's what I like about Garrett Cole in Yankee Stadium. I mean, I don't like a lot of it because it's Garrett Cole and he's just probably the hottest pitcher. In, he is the hottest pitcher in baseball. But, you know, some mistakes can be home runs at Yankee Stadium for Garrett Cole. A guy who, um, you know. Same for Minute Maid Park. We just said that. No, no, no. I know not for the Yankees' right-handed lineup. When you're throwing 99 miles an hour and you you laid on a fastball, that ball can go out of the park at Yankee Stadium. The park plays for mistake baseball uh, against a guy like Garrett Cole. For a right-handed hitter, yeah. If you're late on a 99 high fastball. You might hit and 317 feet down the right field line. But also, these guys, that, that's what they've been doing all year long. Like These guys are, are, are built for, for peppering that right field. They're built for it. LeMahieu was one of the – the only reason I made that goddamn bet was because I know he went to right field. Like That was why he was brought in here, one of the big reasons. And you're seeing how Judge goes to right field. You see how a lot of these guys know how to go the opposite way. Uh, Gary Sanchez, when he's right, is going to, right, uh, going to center field, right center field. Like these guys are are on when they're going that way, and any mistake, um, you know, can be out. And we see that Judge. That's what, that one of the the freakishly amazing things about Judge is that his bat path is in the zone for so long that it doesn't even if he's ahead of the ball or behind it, his path is there to hit it. And that's when we see that ball go over the um, the fence in right field on a, on a routine fly ball in other places. Judge hits those out. The flip side of Greinke getting him in Houston is he's going to be more comfortable, whereas maybe he would have been more rattled in the Bronx. He had a funny line in his weird-ass press conference where he was asked about facing the Yankees lineup twice this season. He faced him twice as a member of the Diamondbacks. It was actually his last ever start as the Diamondbacks. Was that <clears> the Yan- only insightful thing he was said. was at Yankee Stadium, and I was, I was at that game. He pitched well. Um, he was like, I don't know. I can't take anything from it. I think their, half their team was injured when I faced him both times. Yeah, which is true. 
That was the only thing he said that was uh, that was insightful at all. But it does, I think, help. Maybe it helps both sides that they faced each other. I, I'm happy Greinke is having to pitch game one, and then another he'd have to potentially pitch game five in Yankee Stadium. So bring bring that, yeah. <laughs> and they're going with Tanaka. It's they mixed it up. The rotation in the ALDS was Paxton, Tanaka, Severino. Now they're going Tanaka, Paxton, Severino. I think that you and I were talking about this before, and shout out to Karen for giving us this uh, her opinion on this. I think it's it's I think she's right when she said this guarantees Tanaka a home start in Game Five, assuming it gets to Game Five. If he pitched Game Two, both of his starts would have, in theory, come on the road, and I think Tanaka splits bore out that. Yeah, he's better at home. Look, I know when we're when we're looking at these numbers, and we just talked about the fastball and and how the breaking stuff and how these guys hit the breaking ball very well, and uh, and and can you know get uh, get bit a little bit by the fastball, and that's not Tanaka. So Tanaka, if you look at his repertoire, actually does play into their strengths. But the thing I I, I like about having him go one, besides what Karen was talking about, I do like that. I like the fact that it does give him a start at home. I think that's smart to do that. But you have that. You just have that that veteran guy on there. And you know how I take stock in, in the intangible stuff, the stuff that doesn't get, doesn't get uh, measured by the, by the nerds. But I like the fact that I don't think if, if I'm looking at one of these guys, the one guy I think will be least affected by a road crowd or, or, or least affected by being on the road in a, uh, in a, in a hostile environment is Tanaka. I don't think he gives a shit about any of that. I think he's been around, the um you know around for long enough where he's used to this type of thing he could focus he could kind of exit that stuff out of his brain and just go out there and 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 pitch and I think that's one of the reasons why he's good in the playoffs I think he's able to keep that heart rate at a similar pace and he's able to kind of tune the rest of that bullshit out and I like that so I like having the veteran guy going uh as game one kind of leading the charge in that um and, and the fact that it also gives him a, a home start I like it. I, I, I'm in. I'm in for it. So he threw five innings against Minnesota. He threw 83 pitches. He threw – it was his best splitter of the season. He got a 25% whiff rate on his splitter. Best of the season by far. Yeah. Also one of the reasons t- uh, Minnesota struggles big time with the breaking stuff. Maybe he could get a better grip on the non-juice baseball. That's possible. I mean, if you're if your theory of the non-juice baseball and those seams are a little higher, maybe Tanaka's going to get a little more action on the downside. That's possible. If that's the case, I hope they find the balls. <laughs> I hope because all I want to do is split in Houston. If we can get one in Houston, that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think the Yankees feel more confident that they're going to be able to hit Granky than they're going to be able to hit Verlander. Despite- Granky also would have higher seams then too, which could be a problem. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple stats on Tanaka against. Uh, the hitters of Houston. So the best offensive player uh, against Tanaka is Ben Springer. He's got a 976 OPS, and the worst um, is Reddick. And then in two starts this year, Tanaka was uh, 12 innings, 11 hits, three runs, three walks, four strikeouts. The better outing actually came in Houston on the road. And Which then, is a good thing. Again, he could, he's able to tune that out. One of the hardest places to play in baseball, he's able to go in there and execute, and I like that. So the uh, for Paxton, Paxton's going game two. Oh, another thing. Tanaka's going to be on six days rest. Which is good. Well, we've kind of decided that it really doesn't matter. It doesn't, much. yeah. But then, now Paxton's on eight days rest. You're bumping his rest up, and you're going to get Severino on seven days rest. Based on the numbers we just talked about with their 
struggles with high high fastballs and, and high speed fastballs. Paxton and Severino actually could be good matchups, favorable matchups against the Astros. They could pump ninety seven mile an hour fastballs all day long. Absolutely. If they're locating and not tipping their pitches, we better be on Severino and make sure that damn well, uh, whatever whatever the sauce that they have in Houston, and, and it, this cannot happen. This cannot happen. None of the, we, we've seen it happen. We, we saw all the things with, uh, with, with Severino in the playoffs against uh, Boston. Like, and now we know that they're looking for things and that they have, not that everybody isn't looking for things, but they're finding things and they're using them. Uh, the Yankees better be on top of that. And I hope it doesn't get into anybody's head uh, about how particular they are with their hands or their feet or their whatever they're doing when they're when they're gripping the ball better. But I guarantee oh, it's, it can in almost their, be, it's in the headspace a little bit. Yeah, well, even if you're not tipping, but it's in your mind, that can screw you. Right, it could actually force you to tip when you're not. You can force you to do something or that you're, you're not thinking about doing. not tipping instead of thinking about your next pitch. And then, boom, you leave a, you leave a slider in the middle of the plate. Tanaka's not going to do that. Tanaka's not going to go there mentally. And that's okay. what I like. Another thing I like about him. So Paxton threw 41% curveballs against Minnesota. That was clearly the game plan. Right. He didn't look that great, actually. He he just looked to get in deep counts. Guys were falling off pitches. He threw a ton of pitches for four and two-thirds innings. And they pulled him. So I, I'll be curious to see what the game plan is. I think it's going to be a lot of fastballs. Correa has hit him pretty well, over 1,000 OPS. Bregman uh, has not hit Paxton well. And then in two starts this year uh, for Paxton against the Astros, he's only pitched nine innings, gave up 13 hits, six runs, six walks, 12 strikeouts. He got lit up in Houston, pitched pretty good at Yankee Stadium, actually. So, I mean, like this is probably like the most obvious thing possible, but when you're a fastball pitcher and you need to work off of that fastball and the team that you're going up against struggles against the high velocity fastballs you better goddamn well locate that fastball and we've seen in previous starts when Paxton is not right he's not locating that fastball and even honest with Severino we've seen two starts now when he's come out a little almost looks like he needs to get into it and and he's not quite grounded yet like his legs aren't under him or whatever it is where he's got to get into the start there's not going to be much time for that against this Houston uh, against this Houston lineup if he's not on from from the start and he's not throwing uh, strikes with his fastball it, it could, it could get ugly quick, and we saw, you know, you saw how the team could pounce on him. And I know Glassnow was giving up pitches, but um, the team could strike very fast. And when you're going up against these starting pitchers that the Houston Astros are rolling out, can't do that, cannot do that. So these guys got to be locating early. Verlander is going to be on normal rest going at home in Houston. He was clearly just not the same pitcher on short rest. Yeah, right. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was not executing. And uh, you know, I heard his post game afterwards. Talking about the ground balls, like didn't go his way, and then you know balls were. Uh, uh, you got to have on those t- particular days. You need the ground balls to go your way, yeah, and not find those holes. And and on that day, they were not going his way. So I think that pretty much locks in that they're not going to go with a short rotation against the Yankees. Well, not for Game Four at least, probably. Yeah, probably not. I think it lines up for them not to. Yeah, it's actually better for them not to. Yes, because then they could turn around and get Verlander Game Six, Cole Game Seven. Right. For them, assuming it gets that deep, they're they're more than happy with that going back home. I think so, yeah. And what they're going to do in Game 4 is interesting because Wade Miley was their fourth starter all year long. He ended the season over his last six starts with a 12 ERA and a 6 FIP. He was garbage. And the Yankees just absolutely crushed left-handed pitching, a 123 WRC+. And I was reading an article on Fangraphs today. They have a 24-year-old rookie. 
Jose uh, Urquidy. I believe I'm saying that right. It's from I Me- doubt it. It's from Mexico. He's got a 395 ERA and a 368 FIP in 41 innings. This is kind of like the Uber driver. Now oh, you can't say you can't say that. And I, I, it's, it's, I know people are sensitive out there, but the man's just earning an honest living. I mean, I, th- you know. I thought he had a good uh, he had a good sense of humor about it when he was ribbing Cameron Mabin back and forth. So fine. I mean, I tweeted this, but don't you think that we were just really like we saw that he wasn't a very good pitcher and he's got a four nine rating on Uber, so we were just kind of encouraging him to to do to you know to choose the profession that he's better at. I really that's all that's all we were doing. I really just like we were actually being encouraging, and everybody else has this negative spin on things. If you go back it. and listen to our game two recap podcast, because we no. were we were at the game. No, that oh, no, was no, the, that was the sober-ish one. Yeah, yeah. We were at the game, so yeah, we were all chanting Uber, but we didn't know that people were pissed off about it because. I don't really check Twitter much while I'm at the game, especially when there's 472 lunatics there with me. So after the game, we were recording the podcast and someone was like, oh yeah, like the beat reporters are butthurt about this Uber chant. And you and I dismissed it because we're like, no, that's not real. There's no way they're going to be actually upset about that. And then it's like, you go home and you look at social media and yeah, people are upset about it. So people just look for an excuse to get upset these days. Yeah. Like we were thinking anything, but we just knew something about him and we were chanting it and it was easy to chant. Right. So everyone who goes to game four, if your quitty pitches for the Astros, just sit there silently. Just let, let him, <laughs> yeah. let him, let, let him enjoy his time out there on the Yankee stadium mound on the biggest game of his life. We don't want to upset the poor guy. He's no. in a tough spot. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, so be rude to him. We can't be rude to him. So game four could be weird because the Yankees could be going with an opener slash J Hap slash whoever else is on the roster. They haven't announced the roster yet. Sabathia said his shoulders feeling good, so we could see CC on the roster. So that excuse is gone. That excuse is completely gone. Real quick. Yeah, that's something. Because, I mean, that was one of the things you were talking about that, saying that, you know, this uh, – are we are we making things up here? Or is this the, is the shoulder really, or is it just a convenient way to to leave him off of the roster? But you know, honestly, when we're looking at it, and we don't have the um, we don't have the the, the rosters because because Boone didn't give them to us yet. He's going to give them to us tomorrow. And uh, you know, if it's between Tyler Lyons and CC Sabathia with an arm that he thinks is good, I want CC Sabathia. I, I want CC Sabathia. Bottom line. Again, I'm not. So we're going to talk about Aaron Hicks too. Aaron Hicks is not going to decide if the Yankees beat the Astros in the ALCS because he's not going to play a major role if he's on the roster. But CC could. Tyler Lyons and CC Sabathia will not decide if the Yankees win or lose in the ALCS because they're not going to pitch in a major role. It depends. Yeah, I mean, that's not how it's scripted, for sure. There's no way that that's scripted like that, but he is a guy that is pitching on that roster. You better hope. You, look what happened in the ALDS when when Aaron Boone went to fight in the fifth inning went to three relievers that very well could have bit him in the ass in the eighth and ninth inning. Tyler Lyons was warming up in that game if you remember. So there's that no situation, chance Tyler Lyons was getting in but, that game. But that's if 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 Britain was actually hurt, Tyler Lyons very well could have been in that game. They took you Britain out of the game. I mean, he took himself after, out of the game. But but he started the game. He started the inning. If he had to start that inning, I'm not so sure. I don't Chapman think that Chapman out. came out. Chapman I don't know. We don't know that. But the thing is, when you put your when Boone is making uh, decisions like that and bringing in taking taking two of your best relievers out of the equation in the fifth inning and now going to another guy early that is going to be a, a major role, you're going to get deeper into that bullpen, especially in a seven game series. So yeah, there's a very good possibility that that guy will play a role. Well, 
I don't know if Boone's going to be super quick with his bullpen hooks because he doesn't want to get burned like he did in 2018. But also the Houston Astros are not the Minnesota Twins. I know the Minnesota Twins hit the ball this year, but they, for whatever reason, can't beat the Yankees in the playoffs. Doesn't matter who's wearing the Twins uniform. They suck against the Yankees in the playoffs, and they're going to leave a thousand guys on base. The thing that worries me about these quick hooks is is that same situation where we have Houston Astros hitters that are better. Like they're just they're they're better in this position. They didn't hit as many home runs, but they're better in every other way. They're better. You know this about the Houston Astros, and they've been there before. All of these guys, practically all of these guys, have won a World Series. So and they've been there before. This is a stat you're going to like. It's going to that's a real thing. It's going to get your juices going. They have the best walk rate in Major League Baseball as a team and the yeah. best strikeout rate, meaning they strike out the least and they walk the most as a team. Yeah, and that's been consistent since they won a World Series. When they won a World Series, that was that was that those numbers were up there too. I don't know exactly what they were, but I know they were one of the uh, the, the teams that struck out the least because you know they what put that a means? lot of bats to ball. Do you know what that means? A lot of contact, baby, and a lot of good pitches that they're hitting. A lot of traffic on the bases too. Yes. Especially with some of the Yankees' bullpen arms, which have a tendency to walk guys. Yes, that's the worrisome for me. For me, it's the walks. Like I was talking about earlier, if if uh, if we don't have Paxton and Severino locating that fastball, I don't care how bad they are against the fastball or how mediocre they are against the fastball. If they're not swinging at it, they don't have a chance to be mediocre at that ball. So you got to throw the ball over the plate. Bottom line, you got to paint those corners. You got to be good with the fastball, and that has been a struggle at times for Severino lately, early in a game. And we've seen it from Paxton, where he just loses the zone. And if you do that against this team, it's gonna it's gonna be ugly quick. The one hitter in their lineup that does not look uh, disciplined is Jordan Alvarez. Yes, he was flailing at some breaking balls yesterday. But every other hitter in their lineup is super disciplined. Right, like that's a guy I would not actually worry about throwing some some off speed stuff to. And you're going to see maybe a lefty-lefty matchup on him. Maybe Canley's going to come in and get him. Who knows? I know Adovino doesn't. I know Adovino has better splits against righties, but we just talked about how Adovino can walk people. He doesn't have a high, uh, good fastball. His slider's his best pitch, and they crush sliders. Is this a good matchup for Adovino? Because it's not. Uh, well, it's definitely not if he's not throwing the ball over the plate. I mean, it goes for him, too. If he's not throwing that slider over the plate, we saw it against Minnesota. Minnesota was taking that pitch. They were not. He, they were going to make him throw that for a strike before they were going to swing the goddamn bat. And it burned him twice. He got pulled after one guy twice because of that. That was their scouting report. I wouldn't be surprised if um, the Houston Astros were looking for one spot. They're looking for that slider to be in one spot over the plate in, in a certain zone for that particular hitter where he's strong. And if it's not there, they're going to spit on it. That's probably what their game plan is going to be. You pretty much have to be perfect to beat the Astros. You got to be very, especially at home. Yeah. And Houston. And their, their bullpen's not crappy. Like people just assume their bullpen's crappy, but it's not bad. It, it was eighth in war, first in ERA, 11th in FIP, and second in strikeout to walk ratio. And they've got uh, uh, Roberto Asuna, who is their closer, 263 ERA, 321 FIP. He was 38 out of 44 in saves. The biggest weapon for them is Ryan Presley in, in the bullpen. He had a 2.32 ERA and a 2.66 FIP. Those are filthy numbers. Yeah, no, they have some guys that are that can throw the ball. Um, they don't want to get right-handed. Their best much. guys in the bullpen are right-handed, and the Yankees are right-handed lineup. I, I don't, I don't think it matters. But what I'm thinking about is like Voigt was on the roster because Boone said he wanted him to maybe pinch hit in a situation against uh, what was the Twins closer's name. It's like I'm already moved past the Twins. I, I forget. His I don't name. even care. Who cares? He didn't get in the game. He didn't pinch hit. 
why is if Voit's on this roster, like what is he going to do? That's the thing. So we're looking at this roster. I mean, I was I was surprised that Voit was there for the ALDS roster because he just he doesn't really bring a ton of value for you. I mean, literally everything that that he can do, Encarnacion can do better. And you know, there's a now with Hicks on the. Uh, it seems like he's coming back. It's like out of absolutely nowhere. He's like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm like watching he, he football. Literally I'm like, out of oh, nowhere. I'm good. He threw on his own. The Yankees trainers were like, forgot about Hicks, and then he's. Does just that like, not seem a little I'm strange? On to my you? Own. He sent him a video. Of him yeah. throwing. And they're like, oh, yeah, you look pretty good. I, I guess you can come back. But he's also the guy that said that, no, I, I'm not going to listen to what your MRI says. I'm going to go off my own feeling and say that I'm not playing, even though there was nothing on the MRI to say that I'm injured. It's a little strange. I got to tell you, there's something a little strange going on here. You're telling me that something is strange in the Yankees medical procedures? Well, it's not even the medical procedures. It's what Aaron Hicks is doing. It's how he's kind of going on his own. So you're saying that maybe the Yankees misdiagnosed an injury? That does not sound like them. No, it actually doesn't sound like they misdiagnosed it. It actually sounds like they were correct. <laughs> and that maybe for whatever reason, he didn't want to chant something. And then he's like, oh, look, they made the ALCS. I want to be on that. <laughs> well, if he's going to be on it, it's going to be as a backup outfielder. Yeah, but if he's there, he's taking another spot and he's probably going to get some... You know, there's going to be an opportunity where he could be in a high leverage spot. And, and you know, he's there to start, too. It's not like he's on the roster just to back things no, up. If he's I, healthy and he's swinging the bat, well, he could absolutely get a start. How are he's, you gonna, a switch, he's a switch hitter. Oh, no, listen, if Aaron Hicks w- had played the last month of the season, yes, he starts, no question asked. asked. But well, well, how is he going to prove that he's swinging the bat? By getting at bats, I just don't see them giving. Who's he going to get at bats over? It doesn't. He's see, not this gonna, is the thing. Encarnacion didn't have to do that, did he? He just had to show that he was. He healthy. wasn't out for two months. He was out I, for two. I weeks. I get that, but the thing is, is when you're when you're he's on the roster. Yes, it, he's going to be on the roster. Know, we don't and know he's on the I roster. I agree. But if he's All on the roster, if they're are. if they're comfortable enough with him on the roster, they're comfortable enough with him being in any situation. Okay, because not, that's what's going to happen. A starter role, and I don't think he should be in a starter role, but I do think he can be on the roster because as a as a defensive replacement, when we're just talking about that, he's better than Cameron Mabin or Tyler Wade. There's not even a question about that. In the outfield, absolutely. He can play center. He's their best center fielder. And yes. he can play left field. So yes. they've been taking Stanton out for defense and putting Mabin in left. Well, now you could move Gardner to left and, and Hicks in center. And that's your premier defensive outfield. That's fine. And so I get that's that. fine. He is that a switch hitter when he's going right, gets on base at a high level. That has yes. awesome value. Yes. I just don't know when they're going to give him a chance to do that because who are you sitting to get Aaron Hicks in the lineup? You're going to have to sit an outfielder. So you're either going to sit Gardner or Stanton, or you're going to move Stanton to DH, and then you're going to move Encarnacion to first, and then you're going to move LeMahieu to third, and you're going to sit Gio. Possible. But that's but that's what, what having Hicks in that lineup gives you because he's a lefty bat it gives Boone more options for that and like I said man like you're you're putting too much stock I think in what they think uh real at bats are I think that they see sim at bats they see a guy going in, in a certain way and they and, and and you know the swing looks good timing looks good on these on these uh, machines and sim games and guys throwing to him I think they're comfortable enough with that obviously they're there uh they're far enough along where they think he can you know be be a, a guy that can help them out 
over Cameron Maben or Tyler Wade, whichever the whichever way the decision goes. But they feel comfortable enough for him to be on this roster. And for me, if you don't feel comfortable with him being in a high leverage situation or playing in a game, or if God forbid something happened and he has to go in in high leverage, then he shouldn't be on the roster in the first place. Would so you start I, him? I think the situation has to be absolutely perfect. I mean, What's I personally wouldn't. You know the starting pitchers, Granke, Verlander, Cole. Who are you starting him against? Who are you sitting, Geo? Because I think that's the only scenario. Where Probably Geo would be sitting. Yeah. No, no, no. You're not taking out any of those. You're not taking out Encarnacion, LeMahieu, or Stanton. Stanton, Stanton or, could be out. Could Stanton could be it'd be Geo or Stanton? They're not going to take Stanton out. It's possible. They're just not going. They're not going to do it. I think one of those two guys would would have to go, and there would have to be overwhelming numbers. I don't have the numbers with Geo against every single pitcher. If the numbers were overwhelming and uh, and and it. It put them to a lefty bat, and Hicks had numbers on that guy. I would absolutely don't think they would hesitate because he's on the roster. If that's actually the case, <laughs> yeah, it's you got to be at a certain seems, level of it comfortable. Seems like the case, and it also seems like Voigt will be off the roster, and they're going to put another pitcher on the roster because which they, they thirteen over twelve, which is they went twelve. Uh, and they the went 12 series. pitchers in the ALDS, yes. But they the should Astros, go 13 pitchers. The Astros are carrying 13 pitchers. The Yankees talked about carrying 13 pitchers in the seven-game series. I expect them to carry a, a 13th pitcher. So maybe Sabathia doesn't replace Tyler Lyons. Maybe he just is both. also on the roster. Um, yeah. I, Hicks, I, the Hicks thing kind of divided people this week. Well, it came out of absolutely nowhere. It was like a, funny, re- fantasy it was a funny report. Like late in the day on, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, it was like, oh, Hicks says he can return. And everyone was like, ah, oh, that's funny, Hicks. Like, no one cares. And then it was like, no, like, he's going to return. Like, right, right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, he's on a so, flight. Like, he took the five o'clock flight out of Tampa. Like, he'll be here soon. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard this, like, I didn't hear, I didn't hear, um, I forget what I was doing. I didn't hear Hicks. I just heard outfielder. I'm like, no way. No possible way. Is this guy coming out of absolutely nowhere to, to say he's healthy? I thought it was Ellsbury at first, like the very first, because I thought Hicks was done. I thought we thought Hicks was done. <laughs> but see, that would have just been. <laughs> so that's Ellsbury what I'm like. There's, just just, had, there's absolutely no possible. Ellsbury would have had happen. millions of people laughing in his face. Yeah, I mean, it was just. Ellsbury's not even in Tampa, is he? Like all the I other don't know guys where the hell he is. are he's, staying I, hot I, in Tampa. You got, you got. He's looking for Bigfoot in Las Vegas with Jose Canseco. You got Hicks. Clint Frazier, Mike Ford, all these guys taking reps at the Tampa facilities, ready to go on the first flight to Houston if they get the call. Like, Jacoby Ellsbury is not even in the <laughs> state of Florida. I mean, neither was Hicks. Hicks is on his couch doing nothing. No, he was in Tampa. Okay, on his couch doing nothing. No. In the he warm was weather. Making, he was making videos of himself throwing. Yeah, exactly. Not even with the freaking team. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy story. So if he were to come out and, and contribute, did at you a high see level, what Brian Cashman said? He one goes, of the wild things. He goes, there, I don't see any reason why he couldn't get playing time after being out that long, and he cited Kyle Schwarber as yeah, as the example that. a couple of years ago. Cashman's got something for you. Cashman knows things that you don't know, that that none of us know. All right, let's do mailbag questions. We got a few mailbag questions um, about this series. The first up is uh, actually from the Twins game. So Josh Lucemore, he says, we were the Twins fans sitting with you in Section 205. First of all, thanks for being great hosts. And second, you guys bring what it means to be sports fans. Thanks for being the life of the party. Go Twins. Oh, that's so Minnesota. That's so cute. Josh Lucemore. Josh Lushmore. 
Is that a can? Is that a Canadian accent or is that a Minnesota accent? Minnesota, isn't that Minnesota? They, just, they might be the same accents. I, they're close. Actually. I got really into uh, Fargo. Yeah, and that's like I, North I actually Dakota, couldn't get past Minnesota. I turned that movie off because of the accents. A long well, no, time. No, 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 not Minnesota. I mean, the not not South Dakota. Not the. It was North Dakota. North and Dakota. It, and it was not. Yeah. I mean, I have seen the movie. I'm talking about the TV show. Megakota. <laughs> just call it Meg. Megakota. <laughs> uh, it was a TV show. Have you seen Fargo the TV show? Fantastic. Okay. Probably couldn't get past the accents. Either way, he was there. I looked up that name. Uh, that name did not buy a ticket from us. So now I'm going to go <laughs> look back and look at our seat map to see where he was sitting to make damn sure that that wasn't somebody who gave up their ticket. Because I will find you. Dude watched his team get their ass whooped, had us hand him Yankees Bronx pinstripes rally towels. No, we did not hand him a towel. Frank Marco handed him a towel. Frank Marco is done. <laughs> I specifically did not give these people towels. Frank Marco handed him towels. <laughs> that anyway, does not surprise me. He dealt with, they stayed till the end. I saw him there in like the ninth inning. They dealt with us screaming in their face for nine straight innings. And they, they sent us an email thanking us <laughs> and congratulating us. I love it. All right. Sierra Burks in our Facebook group says, do you think that the lack of success uh, rate for home field for home teams? Do do you think that the lack? See, she's okay. Here we go. The the lack of success rate for home teams that elimination winner takes all games is because of the format. The playoffs have it's two, three, two. So if the home team wins every game through five games, the team with the home field advantage is facing elimination twice in a row at home in the NBA and NHL. It's two, two, one, one, one. So the team with the court slash ice advantage can never be uh, down in the series if they win each game, each home game leading up to an elimination game or winner takes all. In those two sports, if you win all of the home games before game six, you can only win the championship on the road as the higher seed. So maybe there's just too much pressure having to do it twice in a row in baseball as the home team. I think that's why home field advantage doesn't matter in baseball. And that's how you read something. <clears throat> well, there's a typo in the first sentence. Right. We saw two the two NLDS games go to game five in the road team win. Yeah. Um, I think well, that it, you're just it's always been this way for baseball where it's two, three, two. You're, it was actually there were some weird rules before like they went to this format where baseball, if Wikipedia is right, was like flipping a coin to see where the next game was played. It was really bizarre. But um, this was like when they were traveling on like trains bu- and yeah, they were doing horse buggy, horse buggy. But now it's just the way <laughs> they were going on the Oregon trail, battling typhoon, typhoid, scurvy, then scurvy. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just baseball is not like the NBA and NHL where every game, then there's a day off. Like you have to play multiple days in a row by the nature of the sport. If you don't, then it favors teams that have thin pitching staffs and that's just not that's just not baseball like you have a complete roster that can get you through a season that can get you through a seven game series if you have off days in between the last three days you You don't need that many guys you can rest everyone you can carry fewer pitchers you can have one stud and he can just win you the championship because right because he's rested for two of those three games so baseball you have to play on consecutive days 2009, the reason the Yankees were able to win, to go with a three-man rotation is because for whatever reason that year, in the seven-game series, MLB scheduled an off day between games four and five. 
So there was a built-in off day so the Yankees could get extra rest for their guys, Andy Pettit and A.J. Burnett. Savathia had to pitch on short rest, but Pettit and Burnett didn't. But Savathia was a freaking monster at that point, pitching on short but rest. But they didn't have to deal with Phil Hughes right. I- I- as a starter or Jabba Chamberlain or right. whoever else. It they takes could... people out of the equation. Yes. And that's not what baseball's meant to be. No, I mean, it's not how it's played all year long. And when you play 162 games a certain way and then you want to change it what up. What I mean the... by meant to be. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Like, I, I think that the, the nature of what... Um, the nature of the two three two and what Sierra is talking about, like I understand her point about having the you could potentially have an elimination game, but then at the same time you're also going back home and you have two games to to lock it out. So I see both sides of it. Like I personally do like the two two one one one, but I think it's just unfeasible at this point too because of travel. It's yeah. not like you could play consecutive days. You would have to have an off day, and then you're throwing a wrench into the situation. I mean, if the Yankees play the Nationals in the World Series. It could go two two one one one, and you yes. wouldn't need off days in between right. because you just take a it would take make a sense quick then. flight. But if the Yankees were playing the Dodgers, there's absolutely no way in hell you could do it. No, because of the time difference and the the flight. I mean, it's not even the flight length; it's more the time difference. Honestly, I think that that would play into it. Uh, going back, you'd and have forth. walking zombies by the seventh game. Yeah, like it would they be... wouldn't know what's what's up, what's down. Especially with the way that the Yankees fly. Yeah, my God. The Dodgers no would pods, probably fly. No pods to look Every at. Dodger would probably have their own airplane, never mind own Yeah, pod. you know damn well they would. Yeah, they probably would. They would fly over. It would be a parade of airplanes yeah. coming over. No, it's yeah, it's just not feasible with baseball, and, and I understand that. And, you know, on the surface, when I first saw this, I was, like, all over uh, on Sierra's side with it. But I, I see both sides. Um, but I think the sport and the nature of the sport does come down to why it's 2-3-2. And, and the travel's a big thing, and having consecutive games is a big deal. Yeah, you people complain about the wild card game, that baseball is played over 162 games, and then you're taking one out of 162 and deciding playoffs. Like, that's not the nature of the sport. Well, I, I like the wild card game. If you were doing extra off days, that would be another thing you're saying is not in the nature of the sport, so... No, I'm just saying, let's go okay. to the next one. <laughs> let's go. I'm, to the- <laughs> I'm starving. I haven't eaten dinner. Two more mailbag questions. We'll keep it quick. Michael, over the past couple of postseasons, we've seen an increased use of starters coming out of the bullpen in high-stress situations or tight games. Do you think that uh, the use of starters in this way will lessen the role and or importance of the closer? Kind of t- touched on this in the beginning. Yeah, we already we did hit on this. It, it depends on the makeup of the team. Absolutely. That's the bottom line. It depends on the makeup of your team. Depends on the team. The Yan- for the Yankees, no. For the right. Nationals, yes. Yeah, correct. So, and, and for the Astros, no, because they're 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 really they their their offense. I'm sorry, their pitching is is different in the sense that like these guys do go deep into the game. They're 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 constructed differently in that sense where. Um, you know, I think Hinch will actually stay with a guy much longer than than other other teams because they have a ton of confidence. Their by far best arms are their top three guys, like by far. So at that point, you will stretch that guy a little bit longer because you don't have the specialists that the Yankees have out of the pen. And in the in this in the in the case of the um, Nationals, like if you're going to a guy and you you have Corbin on rest or who could throw out of the bullpen, he's better than probably most people in your bullpen. Um, you know, besides maybe one or two people uh, in, in different situations. So they're going to go with that. So I, it's fully make up of the team. And we've seen it, how it's played out in the past uh, with the Astros in the past. The Astros were a little different, I think, at one point where they didn't have three main guys, but they had guys uh, that were able to come out of the pen like Pe- like Brad Peacock was the guy that came out and played a major role. He's going to um, be on the post. Lance McCullers. Yeah, Lance McCullers. Like you're seeing well, we might see that we might see those guys out of the bullpen. I know. 
those are the guys before though they were starting pitchers in uh in in 2017 they were starting pitchers that went into the bullpen a little different this year mm-hmm. last one is from greg chrisafuli at greg He's actually i think part of the tampa chapter oh yeah. nice what's up greg greg jc17 on twitter how much of a concern is it that the dominance of cole and verlander is pounding the strike zone which is the only way to keep, quote, savages from being savages. Do you jump early in the count to risk them going deep seven-plus innings into the game or try patience, a high strikeout approach or high strike approach to do- drive up the pitch count? We also mentioned it's a this, really good question. We mentioned actually. this in the inverse with the Astros and how they walk a lot and don't strike out a lot. The Yankees strike out just the same amount as last year, even though it didn't feel like it. But what do you do with Cole and Verlander? It's That's like, the thing. Sometimes driving up pinch count, like you say, oh, you got to work Verlander's pitch count to get him out of the game. He's going to throw 120 pitches regardless. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Exactly. Like that's the thing. Like these guys are workhorses. They're not the same type of guys that'll be that'll be run out of a game in the sixth inning because they're at 100 pitches. They just they're just not that guy. They're gonna they're gonna stay out there, um, and they're still good. I think it's, a, and also they throw strikes. So like. Yeah, oh, I'm going to work the count. I'm going to take a pitch. Oh, I'm down on one. Okay, I'm going to get it. Oh, I'm down on two. Shit, now what? You're screwed. I mean, it, it's, it's an absolute, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, it's, it's a strategy that they're going to have to decide upon and, and what they're going to do. I still think they're going to be more patient. They're going to make them throw strikes. You know, controlling the strike zone has been one of those those uh, those buzz phrases that that Boone has used since he's gotten here. And yeah, that's why they are the, the quote, savages, because these guys know the strike zone. They know how to uh, control you know the pitchers and the and the strike zone in that way, but when you have guys that are that good and can stro- and and can throw strikes at any point, like Greinke as well, could dot places, Gr- Cole dots them, ninety nine dots it, Verlander dots everything, the the breaking stuff, the fastballs. I think Verlander, they're definitely going to be more a little bit more patient with where he is currently. Um, Cole, I think they're going to be look if you see something in a, a certain area, like they're going to play zones. I think. They're going to look for their strengths, and if they find something, if you leak something out, then they're going to be aggressive. But otherwise, I think they're going to try to to uh, to, to be as patient as humanly possible. Yeah, and Greg- because they don't want to keep them, they don't want to run them out there and have you know eighty five pitches or uh, sixty pitches in the in the seventh inning. Like you don't want that either. No, but yeah, and Grinky, I I kind of put Grinky to the side of Verlander and Cole. Grinky is a guy maybe you approach differently than Verlander and Cole. Sure, I I agree, and and I think. You know, after what we saw last, and, and you know, it, maybe it was, maybe it was, um, you know, all all signs are pointing towards short rest. Verlander was the reason why he was struggling, but maybe there's some fatigue there. You, you won't know until he's out there again and you see that. So I think they're definitely going to be more patient with him. Absolutely, it could be a factor. And the good thing is, we don't have to see freaking Cole now until Yankee Stadium. Yep. So guess what? You could be probably a little bit the way that this. Now I'm talking about even more. I'm seeing the the way that you're this is played out. It's like to what to Greg's point, like that is a major decision on a, a, a like strategy approach to what these Yankees are going to do and how they're going to uh, approach these guys. It's a major factor in this, the way that this is going to play out and how things are going to how the Astros pitchers are going to pitch. But now that Cole is pitching at Yankee Stadium, I think it. I think it's a huge. It's a huge swing. I think it doesn't series, mean it changes anything, but I think it's a, a potentially a huge swing. This series swinged, swung, swang, swang into the Yankees' favor. <laughs> I think when Tampa pushed a game five, despite the fact that the Astros have home field advantage, I think that advantage is negated by the fact that their rotation is thrown off. Their pitching staff is fatigued and the Yankees are set up. It's certainly, it's certainly on paper. When you look at the way things played out plays to the Yankees favor, I'm not going to say that, uh, 
I, I think it's a it's a fine. If it was, they're, they're 60, already 40. very close to. They're already very close teams now, anyway. And I don't even think it's sixty forty. Or no, if it was fifty five forty five before anything started, maybe it's fifty fifty now. Potentially, I mean, even maybe a little bit more of a swing to the Yankee side. That's okay. That's what I said. I think the, yeah. you said no. I said I think it swings it in the Yankee. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is it's not a, it's not something drastic. Anyway, uh, really, I'm just trying not to jinx it. Is what I'm trying to do. But the um, again, I'm going to take the John Sterling line. If you and I can jinx the Yankees, then they need to start paying us more. That's fine. They don't pay us a goddamn dime, actually. So the uh, that that would change. But I like it. Let's go with that. I like it. It's played everything on the field thus far, has lined up very well for the Yankees. Yes. They just got to take one at home. Big deal. Huge deal. Yep. Although we did say that you against Boston one, last you, year, too. You mean one at Houston? What oh, yeah. Houston's, yeah. At Houston's, home, I'm at Houston home. Like, we say, we assume the Yankees are going to defend home field because like, they did in 17. But ju- the Yankees are just as capable, I think, of winning a game in Houston as Houston is winning a game in Yankee Stadium. Like, Sure. So, all right. That's it. The game is tonight, 8 o'clock. You guys hopefully are listening to this Saturday afternoon, getting ready for the game. It's going to be exciting. We will be back with another show after the game. It'll be a quick episode, just raw gut reactions. Uh, any final words, Scott? You want to make another prediction? You made, you nailed your three-game three, three game sweep against the Twins. You want to make a prediction? Oh, you actually admitted that. Wow, that's very nice. Um, yeah, let's go with predictions here. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Yankees in five. Oh, that's a pretty dominant series win. Well, I think they're gonna. Yeah, it's a gentleman's sweep. That's 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 what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. I think the Yankees are, are reeling right now, and um, you know I think the Astros have a little bit of doubt in their minds. That's the one thing I think Tampa Bay did very well for us is they put a little bit of doubt in their minds, and I think that's a very good thing. It's a very big thing to have in the back of your head. Okay. If the Tampa Bay Rays could come out, the Devil Rays could knock you around a little bit and take you to an elimination game. What are the Yankees going to do? And George Springer already talking about home field, how he knows how difficult it is to play. Pride of Connecticut. There you go. All right, we'll talk to you guys in 24 hours. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.